Hey guys, welcome to the Macros Bodybuilding and Powerlifting Podcast. I'm here with another episode with another fantastic guest um, who I hope many of you already know, which is Mike Matthews. So to just give you a small introduction about Mike, uh, many of you probably have heard of Muscle for Life, or I hope you have. Fantastic website with some fantastic books and also a fantastic podcast with many of the guests I've had on here have been over on mics at least once, maybe even several times. Hmm. So Mike actually published Bigger, Leaner, Stronger in 2012, um, which is crazy that so many years ago and it's grown massively since. Um, and since then published five other books and sold over 100,000 copies, which is fantastic. So that's kind of a small insight about Mike, but I think a lot of people are interested to just get to know you a bit more, to know kind of Mike, who are you, what have you do, how did you get into the industry? So I don't know if you want to kind of just give a bit of background about where did you come from, what got you into the fitness industry, into writing, and kind of obviously we can delve into the evidence-based background that you got into, and that's why I really like your work is because you do reference the literature and you really do put the work in and you don't just kind of give out random recommendations yeah, absolutely. Um, sure. So to start from the top, um, just for the sake of because I've been talking a bit a bit more about numbers and stuff. Uh, on the whole, uh, I've sold close to a million books in the wow. last since. So like bigger, leaner, stronger is now over two hundred thousand. Probably closer. I have to get. I have to get last year's numbers, but probably closer to three hundred thousand alone. Um, so so yeah. So everything's you know gone very well in that regard. But for me, it started with bigger, leaner, stronger. Actually, that was the first thing, and it was kind of like a. A nights and weekends type of project. It was something that I kind of just did on a lark because um, I had gone through my own personal transformation. Uh, and, you know, I, when I first got into weightlifting, I didn't know what I was doing. I, and I knew that I didn't know what I was doing. It was something I just kind of did. Like I, I played a lot of hockey growing up. So I wanted to continue doing something when I was done with hockey. Um, so I just chose weightlifting. Uh, also at the time, you know, I wanted to be, be more attractive to girls and girls like muscles. So I was like, I'll just go do that. Right. Um, and, uh, so I just like grabbed magazines and did random shit. So for the first six or seven years, it was a lot of magazines and it was a lot of working with various trainers and gyms. Um, and again, it wasn't something that I really was, uh, approaching, it was more something I was just kind of doing because I enjoyed to I enjoyed working out. So it was more I would call it exercise than training, mm -hmm. because again I hadn't really educated myself, and it was something again I do with my friends, and it, it kind of replaced sports for me. Um, where it's not like I mean I, I got pretty good at hockey, but it's not like I sat down and studied hockey. I just played a lot of hockey. Though so I decided to take it a bit more seriously. Um, by the way, are we, you can hear me fine, right? I got yeah, some. It just went funny for a second. It's fine. Okay, cool. Okay, cool. So, so yeah, so eventually I decided to actually educate myself and um, I won't, you know, I don't want to take up too much of your time with all of the details, but basically long story short, I went from, you know, thinking, not really even knowing what goes into to fat loss. You know, I thought, I didn't really think, I guess to, to my credit, I didn't think I had it figured out. I had just I just knew that I had heard a bunch of things and here and there I'd try little things like sure I'll do some cardio, you know what I mean? And yeah, maybe I'd notice a little bit of fat loss, but but nothing nothing much and just by by doing, I don't know, I I just like run for 30 minutes, you know, four or five days a week without really changing my diet, you know. So of course there's a bit of fat loss there and tried a little bit of like clean eating and so forth and 
But again, I didn't really have a clear goal in mind of what I wanted to do with my body. I was just kind of doing it because I like to do it mm-hmm. and wasn't too concerned with the results, honestly. Um, but then eventually that changed and I decided to take it a bit more seriously in that regard and see like what can I really do with my physique? You know, how far can I really go? Mm-hmm. I also I also had thought previously that um, the look that I've been able to achieve required steroids and or I guess I assume that again it was I didn't have any strong beliefs one way or another but I kind of just had that assumption because again that's just like a common thing that you know you know steroids are big of course in bodybuilding and you know that a lot of people in the gym are on steroids and it's kind of natural to think oh well, if you see some dude that's like big and lean and strong probably on steroids um, so eventually I, I educated myself and, and learned um, I mean really that's something that I guess um, I've, I've always been good at, uh, I was a good student, you know, growing up and in my previous life, I was creating employee training materials for, for, for various companies, uh, very random, but you know, we, we, we kind of niched in on healthcare professionals in particular. Uh, but that actually served me well in, in my new endeavors because I had a lot of experience getting into industries and getting into jobs and things that I didn't know anything about. And I had to quickly get myself up to speed and I had to produce, uh, training materials that would allow companies to, you know, hire new people and bring them from me not knowing shit in the beginning to like being able to do the job and not just know things, but do the job, get results. That's very different than a purely academic, you know, pursuit of, can you spit out facts or can you feel enlightened? Like, no, you have to get results. Um, so I kind of brought that, I guess, experience to bear on, on health and fitness and just did it the way that I normally do it, which, I mean, these are things that I'm actually going to be expounding on more in a book that I'm working on now, which is going to be a bit more than just health and fitness. It's going to be, it's going to be a kind of a lifestyle book. Um, I want it to be kind of like a manifesto of sorts for this tribe that, you know, has kind of coalesced around me. Um, and, and health and fitness is a part of it, but you know, I think that, um, I th- it's going to be a self-development, self-help type of book. I mean, I don't like the connotations that come with self-help, um, but I have some pretty unique ideas that I think are going to set it apart from you know everything else in the space, which is what I tried to do with Bigger, Leaner, Stronger initially, and did mm-hmm. and did well with it. So I'm going to be diving into like, for example, I think one of the key components of uh, successful or you know, uh, I would say achieving success or satisfaction or fulfillment in just life in general or any area of life in general is being able to educate yourself effectively, self-education. Um, so I, I think I have some um, good insights and some good tools to share with people that allows you to, I wouldn't say shortcut the process, but mm-hmm. to learn to learn to get into something to start in a confusion and being like, I don't know what's up, what's down, you know, I have no idea, I have no compass, to, uh, I, I can't say quickly because it really kind of depends, but it, I guess it would feel maybe uh, to people that have struggled with that in the, in the past, to, it would feel like they can it, much faster getting up to speed. Um, so uh, anyways, I kind of applied myself in that, in that way to health and fitness and, um, and, and found really what I found most helpful. There were a handful of uh, authors and like, you know, reading, everyone should read Starting Strength, for example. Mm-hmm. And if you really want to take it further, I would say practical programming is also, uh, is also a, 
uh, a required read for on the training side of things. Um, on the diet side, at the time, there actually wasn't anything that great. And now I like Alan Aragon's book if you want to just learn about dieting. I mean, my stuff is good too, I would say, but you know, if I'm going to promote other people's stuff. Um, but at the time, what I found most helpful was scientific literature. And uh, particularly reviews and meta-analyses were a great place to start because they're more conversational and they tend to be less uh, jargon heavy and they require less technical knowledge to, to be able to, to follow along. And of course, they link out to a bunch of other stuff. So you can start with one and you know end up with you know, 50 hours of, of profitable reading. Um, and, and so that's what I found most helpful, um, especially on the dietary side, the training side, it's tough if you're just going to stick to the literature because it's, it's all over the place, honestly. And I think you have to, it, it helps to, uh, establish some, a, a solid understanding like, um, you know, Schoenfeld's stuff is good for this, for example, of, of muscle hypertrophy. And so you understand the mechanics. And then when you do start looking into the literature, it's going to help you initially discard stuff that you can kind of just write off as either, um, just flawed or, you know, mysterious. And it, it, it kind of helps you stick to uh, a, a, a stick on a path that's actually going to help you get better results and not just confuse the shit out of you. And, you know, where you're just going to, you have no idea now, should you do high reps? Should you do low reps? Should you be training once a week, every muscle group once a week, twice a week, three times a week, da, 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 whatever. Um, so I kind of went through that process and I just applied the things to my own body and saw great results. And then other people were asking that I knew, right? They just saw the change mm -hmm. and were like, what, what are you doing? And so um, I was just kind of sharing with them, here, here are the key takeaways. Like, you know, it wasn't even a, I mean, I was training people, so to speak, but not not in a professional capacity. It was just like friends and whatever. They would come to the yeah. gym and I would just give them a crash course on diet. You know what I mean? It'd be, and it would be very much just like, all right, cool. So first is energy balance. This is how it works. This is why calories in, calories out matters. Okay, good. Now let's talk about macronutrients. Here's why protein matters, carbs and fats. Here's a good way to balance that out. How much do you weigh? How many hours a week do you exercise about? Okay, cool. Why don't we just start here, do that? You know, here's how to make a meal plan. Just go find, go do it. And it was very much just like off the hip, like, you know, or from the hip, just off the cuff. Um, and, and on the training side of things, again, it's very crash course. You know what I mean? Like it was almost just, okay, what we're going to do is, because most of the people that initially they hadn't they've never they'd never done any heavy barbell training so it was kind of just like here's what you need to know you have a few exercises here your number one goal is over the next year i want you to gain as much strength as possible on those exercises we're going to do some other stuff as well and yes we do want to progress on those exercises but first and foremost you know we need to get your squat bench uh deadlift overhead press into a respectable range and see what we're even working with in terms of a physique and um <clears throat> so along the way um, people that knew me knew that I also was interested in writing and, uh, which I kind of found randomly. Uh, I've always, again, I've always enjoyed studying. So, I mean, that's how it first came to me. It was like when I was younger and I didn't know what would I, what did I want to do? I knew that I, I, I couldn't see myself climbing the corporate ladder and do, going down that, you know, career path mainly because it, it didn't appeal to me. And, I feel I just my personality. I was more drawn to wanting to do my own thing. I mean, also uh, my dad is a successful entrepreneur. He's built and sold companies and so forth. So, so I've I saw it firsthand, and I was like, yeah, I want to do that. You know what I mean? Like, I don't want to be playing the the the. I don't want to be like navigating through the bureaucracy of you know 
corporate culture and and where where advancement is maybe more based on politics than than actual merit and so forth. Um, not that that not that that's the way it always is, but when I was like 17 years old, it was that I had a limited worldview, and so that's kind of why I decided um, against going down that road. And so it was kind of just like uh, in looking at myself, my personality, my inclinations, what maybe I, you know, have, uh, where are my talents or, or whatever. Uh, I was just like, well, uh, I, I, I'm pretty good at learning things. So maybe I would be a good writer basically. Uh, so, um, that was at like seven, maybe 18 or something like that. And I wrote, I wrote a novel. That was my first thing. Wow. I just like jumped, I just like jumped into it. Right. And I never published it. I look at back at it now. I mean, maybe the story, the premise maybe has uh, something, but it's, it's, it's not, I've, I've subsequently studied a lot about storytelling and, and, and fiction writing in particular, and it would need to be completely regutted and revamped. But, um, uh, so that was my initial interest and I got my feet with writing and found I actually really enjoyed it. I like the, uh, I mean, I guess the, it's the, it's the creative expression and, um, you know, in terms of Maslow's pyramid, it's the, you know, self-actualization. I feel like you can tap into a bit of that with, with artistic expression in a way that whether it be writing or I know people, I never, I've never played an instrument, but, uh, I hear that a lot from musicians as well. There's like something, um, magical or whatever mm -hmm. about, you know, being able to play that, that Bach piece perfectly or whatever. Um, <clears throat> so, so I could, I, you know, I was like, I could see myself doing this. And eventually that then turned into creating training and stuff because I had to like, okay, I have to, I wasn't, I didn't necessarily, I didn't want to go down the starving artist path of either of, you know, especially if I was going to try to just make it writing novels. Um, although I'll, I'll say that like, I actually think I could have done that successfully. And I still can. It's something that I will probably pursue uh, in the future. Um, at the time, there I just there was an opportunity to to get more into something that is just business related. So I did that, and um, so you know I did a lot of that. And again, enjoyed even though it was a totally different. Obviously, there's not in that case. It's very much about clarity and not you know uh, the, the the poetry of it or the. Or, or yeah. you know, the um, how flowery your prose is or anything. Um, so, did I did that for a bit, and then heard about Kindle's uh, KDP platform, which is their self-publishing platform. Mm -hmm. It was. It was getting it was getting traction in the media because there's a guy named John Locke who was like the first self-published author on KDP to sell a million copies, and uh, of his books. And his story is pretty cool. He uh, built a couple insurance businesses. He built one, sold it, did it again, sold it for the second one for, I don't know, $30 million or something. So he was done making money. And I think he was in his 40s at the time. So he was like, what do I want to do? And uh, he decided he wanted to write. And he priced his books at 99 cents, which was novel at the time, mm -hmm. because he just didn't care. He wasn't trying to make money. He was just trying to see if anybody would even give a shit about his books. So, um, so that I... That I, you know, when I heard that, I was like, hmm, I'll, I'll, uh, I'll write a book on. I'm gonna write the book, the health and fitness, or like the fitness book that I wish, you know, somebody would have given me back when I was 18, and you know, I would have gotten to where I am with my physique. I would have been there at like 22 or 23 or something, you know, instead of. I mean, for, for the past year and a half or so, I've been kind of maintaining. So I would say, you know, probably. 
29 or so. I'm 32 now. So at 29 or 30, I'd say is kind of where I got to where I was pretty happy with everything. Mm-hmm. Um, but it didn't have to, didn't have to take that long. Um, so that's what I did. So, and you know, I, I, first I was looking around, has someone written this book and it didn't exist. So I thought that was a good opportunity. And, um, and it's also just in business. It's always a good sign if you're scratching your own itch, if you are a part of your target market, not only from a marketing perspective, because then you understand who you're writing to and you understand what the real pain points are and mm-hmm. you know what the real aspirations are and so forth. Um, but it also is just a good sign that you know you're probably not the only person that feels that way, as opposed to trying to write or or just market to uh, a group that you're not a part of and you have no understanding of. So so I wrote that book and again kind of on a nights and weekends type of thing mm-hmm. and I, I approached it in an in a minimum viable product kind of. Uh, uh, approach where it was maybe 60,000 words and I, I did put time into it and you know I, I didn't I put some thought also into the marketing side of things the title and so forth and just put it out there and maybe like 20 people downloaded it in the first month so I was like oh that's cool mm-hmm. um, and and then it was like maybe I don't know 40 the next month and which I also thought was cool and then I started getting emails because I put my email address in there I was basically telling people like hey if you like this let me know or if you have any questions let me know right and um, so I started getting some emails people asking questions and saying they liked the book and uh, started to pick up and kind of grew exponentially from there. Uh, so I so I wrote a couple other short books to try different ideas to see, you know, can I beat like can I do another one like this or can I beat this or is this going to be? Did I just stumble onto the the capstone right away? You know what I mean? Um, so by the end of the year, it was selling a few thousand copies a month, and bigger and stronger was. And um, I, I had I believe I had also published the first edition of my cookbook. In, in 2012 as well, but I don't remember. I'd have to actually look. That might have been 2013. Mm-hmm. Um, or, f- yeah, fuck, I don't remember. Anyways, so by the end of 2012, though, um, I was looking at where everything had gotten to. And ironically, I actually didn't really want to become a health and fitness guru guy or anything like that. Um, I was happy that people liked you know the stuff I had put out and that it was helping people, but I was more interested just myself in creating a publishing company and just applying what I had learned, you know, with, with selling my own books to yeah. selling other people's books, and not just health and fitness stuff, but um, you know, it would be looking at the business model. Like you want to find an area, ideally, at least to start, where you really know you can produce good stuff. So I maybe I, the idea was probably to start there because I'd have a good, you know, internal sense of is the is this book really fulfilling a need and is it well executed or not? Whereas if I were to start with you know, um, a thriller, for example, I don't read thrillers, so it might be hard. I, I might think, Hey, this is not bad, but like, you know, a hardened thriller reader might say this book sucks. Like, why is this even published? Um, so, so that's what I wanted to do initially. And I recruited a friend of mine to work with me on it and, um, we got going on it, came up with a name for the company and started putting together a website. But then in that time, which was over the course of a couple months to really get everything get together where we were going to like getting to where we could launch, um, the health, the, it just became more obvious that the going, becoming the fitness person is probably a better opportunity. And it's something that I could change my mind about. Like, it's yeah. not that I was so adverse to it that, you know, it'd be torture. It's just, I don't, um, I have more of an interest in for just, I mean, I have, this is also why I've written so much stuff. I personally, I prefer to spend most of my time researching and writing versus, what I 
the areas of this industry that I neglect or avoid. Uh, like, you know, I don't, I don't care about modeling. I don't care about, um, getting a huge social media following. I mean, I, it, it would help maybe to some degree in business. So I'm interested in it for that, for that reason, but I'm not really interested in, in fame in any sense, really, honestly. So, um, so we kind of pivoted and we shifted from the, the publishing company to, um, the, just focusing on fitness. So that's where muscle for life comes into the picture. Uh, we started building it. It it launched in March of 2013. And, um, I just use it. I mean, it's a blog, even now it's still a glorified blog, although it's going to get a full overhaul this year. It's going to be really nice. The new MFL, I'm really excited for it actually. And uh, it's really going to come into its own because right now it's been kind of, uh, I would say, wallowing in the shadows of uh in the muddy shadows of legion the, the supplement company which has gotten really the bulk of our marketing efforts and money and everything um so we're, we're gonna be shifting i mean not away from legion per se because we're gonna there's still a lot more that i've also expanded the team so now like legion can keep on doing its thing but jeremy and i in particular are going to really be focusing in on muscle for life later this year so um so yeah so muscle for life came about 2013 and it grew up it grew very quickly and um i've published more books ever since you know since then and launched legion which is a supplement company and you know i have an app that is um it's out but it's kind of like in a soft launch under the radar stealth mode type of because there are some bugs and shit that need to be fixed before i really want to push the throttle um so that's the long story not so short but (laughs) no it's fantastic to hear just the insight of how you came from kind of well ground zero and built up to where you are today and where you're expanding and looking to go to because i think a lot of people can probably um relate to the fact that you started out kind of seeing results but not really knowing what you're doing and not kind of necessarily caring but then I think a lot of people especially people listening to this podcast did start out with people like Alan Aragon Mark Ripito I think they probably and I thought um your kind of uh, statement of I was exercising and not training I was like that sounds like a Mark Ripito quote yeah and these are people great people to start with and then build from so I can see why you've got such a good grounding base of knowledge just from kind of starting with those guys and then going into the research from there so that's really really interesting I guess for me an interesting part was how did you get into initially kind of the writing obviously you released the book in 2012 what Mm -hmm. was the kind of transition to being able to do that book and then actually sell it and make it grow what lessons did you learn how did you get it because the sales have exploded I mean it's crazy it's fantastic and you're doing incredibly well but to have only had kind of a small number of downloads, obviously it just kept multiplying. How did you keep that going? How did you get that fire kind of burning? Um, I mean, to be honest, there wasn't any secret. Um, I, I just published it, and and a lot of it just, I mean, it just it just took care of itself uh, in terms of word of mouth. But there's a lesson there, and this is something that you know I get asked fairly frequently, um, and and I'm I'm happy to answer even people that technically want to compete with me in the space. I'm totally fine with that. Fitness is not a zero-sum game. It's not like if someone buys your book, they're not going to buy my book. And I would even prefer to have more stuff out there if it's good stuff. Um, But I would say first and foremost, I mean, there are a few things. One, the number one thing that sells books is word of mouth, which means you have to write a book that's good enough for people to talk about it. And people that are really into books are also generally, um, I've found into, they know other people that read books and they talk about it. 
and it's it's just, it's just a point of discussion. What you know, what book are you reading? Or hey, I just read this book and I really liked it. Blah blah blah. And also, just in my experience, emailing with literally tens of thousands of people now, readers and followers, um, I feel like I have a very high caliber following, and that like a lot of, I mean, I rarely get any sort of negativity at all, which is actually, it's nice. I mean, I, I feel like I have a, have a fairly thick skin. I mean, I grew up on the internet after all. Um, but it is nice that I don't have to deal with much. I mean, sometimes people leave shitty comments on articles here and there, but considering how many, I mean, I have hundreds and hundreds of articles and, and I get tons and tons of comments and, and, uh, you know, it's in tons of emails. It's very, very, there's just not, there's just not much. And mm-hmm. part of that, part of that maybe is just how I've gone about things and, been very open and genuine and put a lot of time into building real relationships with people and people notice that. Um, but I think, I think it's also just some, there's something to be said for, um, book readers are, um, I mean, I don't, I, I just think that they are a special class of people, people that read books regularly. And that's not an elitist thing or that's not me being arrogant. That's just me stating a, an observation based on, you know, a lot of, a lot of you know, anecdotal experience, a lot of data in that sense. Um, so, so that's the thing is if you, if you can write a book that someone's going to go, this is really, really good. That's, that's your number one goal above, uh, anything else marketing related above the cover, above the title, above the sales copy, above however you're going to launch it above all it needs to to actually deliver um and i can cite quite a few examples i know now even some behind the scenes information on how much money certain people got paid advances on books that had huge marketing efforts behind them um and they went very it went very very poorly where you had like you had a big spike and then it's just disappeared dead gone because the book itself sucked you know what i mean it just wasn't a book that you're really going to talk about so um that's that's for anyone you know considering writing a book in this space or any any other space it it, it has to be something you can't just you can't it's not work you can just kind of phone in you can't just go through the motions and put words down on a page and and once you finally get to that you know magic number of words you can then just publish it it's uh it requires a lot more i would say if you want to do it right a lot more uh diligence and a lot more thought before you even start the book which kind of brings me to the next point mm-hmm. which is um at the time when I wrote Bigger Leaner Stronger again there was no book that I knew of uh, that I could find that delivered on you know what I wanted it to deliver on so that's why I wrote it I saw that there was a genuine gap in the marketplace yeah. there was a genuine I felt there was a need for it and this is you know I felt this would have helped me if someone could just break it down and make it simple and just tell me, you know, here are the real basics and fundamentals and not try to sell me on all the sizzle and not overpromise or, you know, rely on her hyperbole or, you know, um, just like Tim Ferriss-esque four-hour body type of bullshit. Mm-hmm. And uh, yeah, and tell me it's going to be hard work, but it is straightforward. It is pretty simple. You just have to put in the work. But if you put in the work and, you know, you uh, put it in the right places, you're going to, you're going to, if you put it, you know, in the in the 20% that's going to give you the 80%, that's kind of the goal. So in that sense, it's working hard, but it's also working smart. So at the time, there was a genuine need. Uh, it filled, you know, again, I saw there was a deficiency in the marketplace. And since then, I've seen a lot of people come along with Me Too type of books where they try to give it their own spin. But at, in the end, it really is just flexible dieting, progressive overload, 
compound lifts, mm -hmm. maybe some motivational stuff. You know what I mean? And that's fine. But if you, writing a Me Too book or in, in any in any industry, if you're just creating a Me Too product, um, you have to ask why. How is this going to beat? You know, who who kind of wears this crown right now? And where is the Again, if you're looking at where do 80% of the sales go in this space, it's going to be a hand. If you're looking at books, it's going to be a few authors, like any 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 space really, right? And so, you know, if, if we're talking about my stuff, it would be me, Mark Ripito, maybe Tom Venuto, and I don't know if I'm maybe one or one other person. It's probably accounts for the majority of. If we're looking at Amazon sales, yeah. I mean, I I know from I know with with sales ranks and so forth. Um, so if you're gonna if you want to write a book that is similar to Bigger, Leaner, Stronger, you have to go. All right, so I have to beat now. Like you have these three guys in between me and Mark Ripito. I'd say uh, if we're talking about not not health and fitness on the whole because then you have a bunch of other types of books yeah. like you know running books and all that shit but if, we, if we're niching it down into bodybuilding per se mm -hmm. um you know arnold's book sells well uh the encyclopedia but so you go okay so what can i how do i how do i offer something as a as to a potential consumer who's coming into the space and that person you know, doesn't really understand how dieting is. They're frustrated because they've tried different things and they've been in the gym and they've put in all this work and they don't look the way they want to look. They don't understand. Uh, they can they can buy Bigger Than or Stronger, which has like 3,000 reviews, four and a half stars, probably have heard maybe of me already. And so there's like maybe a, 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 there's a good, they're already coming in with a good first impression. Maybe somebody told them, oh, you should check out this book. Mm -hmm. And that, that means something to them. Or they can buy your book from someone they've never heard of, um, which has maybe no reviews or very, very little. You have to look just from a consumer. You're going to, you're going to buy my book every time yeah. and you may never get around to <clears throat> buying anything else. So for somebody that is looking to break into this space as a writer or any space, you, you, this is where this work, you know, on the front end comes in, which is you have to really identify a real need. Like something, you have to bring something unique to the space that people aren't just going to say. And I, and I, and I know just because I've seen reviews on other books that have been very much Me Too's um, and, and heard from, from readers of mine and followers of mine where it was just like, oh, yeah, it was kind of lame. It was just basically like a spin on your book kind of thing. And that's a bad plan. Like, yeah, you can sell books, but for the amount of time that it really takes to write a good book, it's not worth it if you're just – if you're pretty much guaranteed – very little, if any, success. Mm -hmm. So that means that, you, and I'm actually doing, I'm going through this process again, so I'm, this is going to be another test of my my theories and my philosophies uh, in the for this book that I'm working on, this kind of self-help, self-development yeah. book, where I'm not just writing, what do I want to write about? You know, what do I think uh, would, would be interesting? I'm starting with a pretty deep uh, analysis of the space and looking at what the best-selling books um, over the last three to five years really like honing in on those books in many cases in a lot of cases I've actually read them um, but looking over reviews what are people not liking about these yeah. books what are they liking um, and again I, I'm reading I've already read quite a few of them but I'm reading a few more just to 
to again get my I want to like get steeped in it. That's that's yeah. something that I've found has really helped me when I'm again going about learning something is fully immerse myself uh, as much as I can. So because then I feel like your mind starts connecting dots that you don't even you know you there's no shortcut to that yeah. where you really start getting a, a 360 degree. Um, understanding of you know you really then get your bearings in the space and you have your orientation and you, you can spot that's where you can get these creative ideas and I've come up with I would say I don't know I'm probably like two-thirds of the way there in terms of what the elevator pitch on the book is gonna be cool. and what's gonna make it unique but it's very deliberate you know what I mean so like yeah I have ideas of course the content has to be unique and I and I have and I think I'll be able to do a good job on that but um, it would be a mistake for me to go into it just saying, "Hey, I have a following. I'll just write anything and they'll and they'll buy it." Yeah, yeah that's that's true. But I want to I want to I want this to be ideally. I would say my my big goal, my stretch goal, would be to sell a million copies of this book in the first year. Wow. Uh, so if I want to do that, I can't just write a book that's going to resonate with guys like you or other people that like me or like my stuff. Mm -hmm. It needs to resonate. It needs to resonate with people in you know, the self-development space on the whole, or at least needs to, to resonate with, you know, a large percentage of them. Um, and, you know, something where then they're going to talk about it and, and so forth. So I, I need to replicate what happened with Bigger, Leaner, Stronger. It's just Bigger, Leaner, Stronger. That space is very small, yeah. relatively speaking. Like if that book would have been a fiction book, like if that book would have been, um, any take any big genre of fiction, uh, like a fantasy book or something like that. And if it would have had the magnitude of success, it probably would have sold 10 times the copies by now. That's how much bigger the fitness, yeah. uh, the, fi the fiction space is at least 10 times. I mean, it'd be looking at millions of copies sold of just one book. Um, so the self-development space has a much bigger potential, but it's also much more competitive and you need to be much more laser focused on from a marketing perspective, why are you creating this? Who is this for? What problems are you solving? And how are you doing it in a way that hasn't already been done a hundred thousand times before? Yeah, no, I think that's fantastic. And I think the, the key thing I took away from that was I don't, I think there's a lot of copycats. As, I mean, within the fitness industry, I see it and I've done it myself where I might not have really thought about it. I've seen something by someone else. I thought it was good. So I've just tried to put my own twist on it. And yep. in reality, I haven't thought about, is this new? Is this different? Is this going to help me grow? Um, yep. And when I think about kind of my own kind of, if I ever do publish or do any content now, I'm now thinking, how's this different to anyone else? Because I do look through my like Instagram feed or my Facebook feed and nothing, I mean, if it doesn't stand out, if it's not the same, I don't really pay any attention to it. So I think a, a point I really took away from yourself there was to actually have a think about what is out there already and does yeah. what you're going to provide provide any additional value whatsoever yeah and there's something to be said there's a difference there like marketing swiping stuff from you know other marketers is great um that's how a lot of marketing gets done is you know even whether it doesn't have to even necessarily be in the in this space you might see something you might see a headline for you know some software as a service product that you go that's a good headline i can spin that i mean that's of course that that's marketing mm -hmm. but when we're looking at it uh, in a more in a more meta kind of sense, when you're really trying to establish uh, a foothold in the industry, now we're looking more at branding and how are people perceiving you on the whole. And if everything you're doing is just me too kind of shit, um, unless it's like over the top, like Bradley Martin, just freak strength feats yeah. of like superhumanness that one day he's just going to snap his spine in half kind of stuff. Uh, 
if yeah, sure, if you can do that, then 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 you're it's, you're you're an entertainer at that point. It's like a circus show. Um, but and I guess you could say that on the writing on the writing side of or on the YouTube side of things, if you could take again, if you can be uh, shocking or if you can be very different in that regard, very funny, or if you have a you know, a, a personality that is, um, that really can, if you're a good writer and you can, and you also have a charismatic and you just have that X factor in terms mm-hmm. of personality. Like I think of the, the guy, I think his name's Tim Urban. He, his, his website is, is wait, but why, um, very good writer and his stuff's just enjoyable to read the way that he thinks about things is pretty unique. Uh, and you know, I enjoy reading his stuff and that very much is hinges on, I mean, he just writes about whatever the fuck he wants to write about, but he does it so well, you know, so if you can do that, but you have to be, you have to also be objective about, you know, can you do that? Um, and again, so if you're gonna write content, what's the angle? Another good example of a unique angle is Greg Knuckles. So he's a guy that has come into and really carved out and he's like, I don't know if anyone is going to be able to uh, kind of tear him down from from his throne <laughs> that he's that he's been building for himself because he does such a good job. Uh, you know, not not just um, I think he's a very good writer, but also I'd say he's of course where his real strengths are in his research and in his analysis and in his ability to break things down. And you know, the only the only caveat is, and he probably knew this going in, is his stuff is not for laymen. It's not. You, if, if you send any of his articles to a more general fitness type of person, they're going to fall asleep in like, you know, the first minute because they're just they're going to hit like 15 technical terms and have no fucking clue what he's talking about. And that's going to be the end of it. Right. Um, but, you know, I'm sure he knows that and he knows the crowd that he's serving. He's serving um, people that are very well educated in this space and, you know, fitness professionals and other scientists and so forth. Um, so that's just another good example of he's doing something unique. Greg Knuckles could write a book that could do very well uh, because it's going to serve a very specific group of people and it's going to serve them in a way that nobody else uh, is currently that I know of. Although that's not true. I guess Schoenfeld does. Aragon does to a degree. But there, there, I, I just think that like I I don't know. Um, I, I'm actually having Greg on my podcast soon, so it'll be interesting. It'll be it'll be nice to talk to him and meet him and stuff. But um, I would just say that whether whether he did it himself or he worked with someone that has a really good marketing and business sense, he could write a book that could do as well as anything that I've produced. It would be a very different book. Yeah. Um, it would probably be more directly competing with maybe Ripito, yeah. whose stuff is somewhere in between mine and Greg's. I feel, uh, you know. Uh, Ripto obviously obviously Mark knows a lot more than I know but I just mean in terms of if reading it and understanding it like it's a little bit it's a little bit tough for for layman but you know they can get through it and and at least walk away with um enough practical understanding they can go get results and I wouldn't say that that's completely not the case with Greg but I just know from even sending people that email me you know I've sent people over to his articles like mm-hmm. you know for, and and they have trouble they'll, they'll like ask me so like I tried to get it, did I? I don't know if I got it though. You know what I mean? So yeah, no, it's definitely a case of knowing your audience and knowing how you can best serve them. I think that's really important because yeah. I think I don't know. And for yourself, actually, you said it. You don't kind of try and spread yourself thin on every single platform. You pick and choose the ones that serve you best. And I think 
that's what a lot of upcoming fitness professionals struggle with is there's there's Snapchat, there's Instagram stories yep. now, there's Instagram, there's Facebook, Twitter. How yep. did Where you... everything just becomes middling. It all just becomes yep. mediocre. Sorry, you would ask a question. I was just going to say, what, how did you, did, did they find you or did you find the platforms and decide you wanted to use them? How did you go about kind of picking and choosing? Because obviously you're busy, so you can't be everywhere. And so are you referring to social media in particular? Uh, yeah, social media. But if you want to expand on, if you've thought of something else that would be interesting, for sure, expand. Yeah, I mean, so I've made my, obviously my primary platforms, um, my writing. So books, yeah. uh, blogs, uh, I have one Muscle for Life. I have one over at Legion. Podcasts, content creation. I'm also going to be doing, uh, well, I'm going to get a proper setup here in the office because I was doing these short videos for YouTube at my house. and. Oh, yeah. The videos came out well, but it took too much time. It's too much of a pain in the ass to set up and get the audio right and get, it was actually just pissing me off. So <laughs> I'm gonna get a proper setup here in the office that's gonna be just like ready to go so then I can schedule like with one of the people that work with me, hey, Wednesday at two, uh, let's record some videos and so they can just be like ready to go. Perfect. All I have to do is step in front of the camera, put on the mic and just go and, um, and, and then it's a lot, well, at least I'll feel like I'm being, you know, using my time better. Uh, so those have been my primary platforms, social media, um, I mean, I'm, I'm on obviously the, the different networks and I use it mainly just to engage with people. I don't do a very good job in terms of posting frequency and in terms of social media on the whole, but I do do a good job staying in touch with everybody. And I think that, I mean, that, that, at least that counts, that, that matters. Uh, that is, I think the, if we're in a, the, the, in the end, the biggest value, uh, if we're talking from a business perspective is engaging with people, I think not, not just accumulating a lot of followers um, because that doesn't, especially in my case, just having a big number of followers doesn't necessarily mean anything. Mm -hmm. um, and especially you see like, you see a lot of girls that, yeah, they can get a ton of followers because they have, because they look good and they're yeah. willing to just take slutty pictures. Um, but how valuable is that from a business perspective? Like how many of those people would ever buy anything from that person? Yeah. Eh, debatable. And I know from Legion, from the business side of things, you might be surprised how little uh, a girl with a million followers will get paid, especially now. I mean, it's, it's, it's that game has become very commoditized where the, if you're not willing to, you know, maybe if someone's really good, let's say they have a million followers and it's a high quality following and then they engage a lot, they spend time, I don't know, for maybe they could get a couple thousand dollars a month. Mm -hmm. um, but the amount of work that it takes to get there, I mean, that's a full time job to, yeah. if, you know, if you're going to really keep at it and because if you don't, you're going to fall behind and there are a lot of other girls that are coming up that'll take your place and, you know, your sponsors will jump over there. So uh, it's not necessarily an easy way to make money. Um, so I haven't I haven't put much time into social media in the grand scheme of things. And that's been intentional because I don't really enjoy it for mm -hmm. one. It's um, I, I feel like it's kind of busy work, I, or at least in, in the scheme of things. I feel like the opportunity cost is, is too high in that my time is better spent, I think, writing a new article or working on a new book than trying to plan out, you know, the, a bunch of interesting social media posts. And um, because, you know, I, I did a podcast recently with Nick Cheadle and he was oh, yeah. talking about, about just kind of like how he built his business on social media. And one of the things he was talking about, which was a good point, is that a lot of people don't realize how much work actually goes in behind the scenes to, to produce what you see. Mm -hmm. it's, not, it's not just, you know, oh, that's right, we have to, we have to take a picture here. 
done. You know what I mean? Not at all. Mm -hmm. There's planning and then there's like repetition of getting over and over. Yeah. You know, you have to, you might have to get 50 pictures to get the one that looks just right. And I mean, that's just the way it is. And, and there's also usually a lot of Photoshopping and post edit and editing and, you know, da, 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 whatever. So, um, all that just doesn't interest me. Uh, so Mm -hmm. I've, I've kind of avoided it. Uh, but I am, I, I do have uh, there, a girl, Corey, who works with me. She handles all of Legion's social media and she does a good job. And um, we're going to be getting another person to work with her. And then she's also going to work with me a bit. So, again, if I can just delegate some of the, um, you know, ground, some, some of the, some of the, what feels like grunt work to like get things planned out and make sure we're on a schedule, then, you know, I, I think it'll take, it makes sense for me to put time into participating into it. But, Again, my focus has been creating things. I just don't think there's that much value. Like how much value are really giving to someone if you just kind of take pictures of yourself and your life and your shit, look at my money, look at my look at how cool my life is. I mean, how, how, I don't know how many loyal fans or followers that's really going to get you, you know, yeah. as opposed to like if you can write a book that changes someone's life, yeah, I'll take that. <laughs> no, I think that's a really good perspective to have because – And when you said busy work, it definitely feels a bit like busy work for myself if I do like an Instagram post or a Facebook post. And I always try and give some value, like you said, but it's either to try and drag them to a blog post or something that's going to give them more because... There's only you can only give a tiny amount away in a in a a short segment like that. Yeah, but you have a caption. I mean, it's hard to. Yeah. And I think. Actually, I'm reading a book called The One Thing right now, which is kind of, it's been out for ages, but it reminded me of what's really going to take your business up a level. Is it going to be these little Instagram posts every day or is it going to be an hour of writing a book that could change people's lives like you're saying? So yeah, Yeah, I I highly recommend that book. That's a book that I actually did a little short video on. I'm going to, once I have my, once I have my setup, I'm going to do that as well because I, I've read a lot of books and I continue to read a lot and it's something that I was doing like a little uh, monthly post, like books of the month and stuff. And so I'm, I'm probably going to bring that back. I have to just see time wise. I'd like to bring it back and maybe I'll just talk about one instead of like, you know, I'll read maybe depending on how big the books are, two to four books a month. And so I'd kind of have a summary and key takeaways from each. And while I liked it, um, it was taking a bit more time than I would want to put into it. But maybe I'll just pick like, here's my favorite book of the month. And then so maybe I can just bang that out in 30 minutes or something and talk about it. This is what I liked about it. I already do all my takeaways. I have them all in Google Docs anyway, so that's easy to throw together. And then I also I like the idea, again, of uh, creating some short videos just because I get asked for book recommendations a lot. So I yeah. figure – you know, I have a lot of book readers in my crowd and I myself kind of, I mean, I like to read, so I like to talk about books. So I think there's like, it's a, there's a good overlap there. Um, so that's a book that I did a video on and I highly recommend. No, yeah, I think it's, I think, yeah, books are, I mean, you're probably better off reading some of these books than doing some of your social media posts to be quite frank, I guess. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You're going to get some better takeaways. Uh, so I just wanted to move on to kind of a question that you probably talked and gone on to some of these kind of touched on these elements already but if you have any kind of key lessons or experiences whilst being kind of self-employed and online what you found kind of your biggest struggles how long did it take you to like get around them maybe you found a routine eventually that worked for your time management um kind of reflecting on where you began because i know kind of when i started out online it was just a bit i didn't really know where to to begin it was just like oh what do i do now (laughs) Yeah, totally. Um, so yeah, I mean, it's. Uh, I guess I'd have to look at that because we've kind of come. 
I've, I, it's come from nothing to a lot of books sold to Legion's going to do eight figures in revenue this year. Um, Muscle for Life is a seven-figure business. So there, I feel like it has gone in stages, and I, I feel like businesses very much go that way in that you know, what gets you from zero to a million dollars a year in revenue isn't necessarily what's going to get you from, I would say, anywhere from one to five or maybe one to ten. And then what gets you to ten million dollars in revenue is not going to get you to 20, 25 is probably the next big hurdle and, and, and so forth. So, you know, in the beginning, it was very much about, I mean, there's um, that one thing concept, right? So I, I, I decided in the beginning writing was going to be my one thing. Cool. Like that's, that was, that, that's what I was going to focus in on to the exclusion of pretty much everything else. Uh, I don't even, I don't remember when I even set up my social media accounts, but it wasn't in the beginning. Like I, I had written a book and published it and that's it. And I remember people, I had one like shitty selfie picture of me that I put in the book, right? As like, here's me, right? So people even remember like those, are some of the reviews, they're like, yeah, there's one picture. We don't even know if this guy's real. <laughs> so, so that's also then I did, what did I do then? I, I had some more pictures, but then I think that's when I started putting, I put together a website so people can see. And then, you know, I, I eventually got on YouTube and then it was like, oh, okay, I guess that really is him. Um, but so that was in the beginning, really finding what, what, product or service was I going to produce that other people, you know, would find valuable enough to, to give me money for, and then just do that, a lot of that. So in the beginning, it was a lot of writing. And I also, I would say if, uh, there's, there's the production of like, what, what do you, what are, what are you creating that people are going to exchange with you, uh, you know, for, mm -hmm. but then there's the marketing and business side of things as well. So, um, I'd say that that is, has to be part of your one thing. Uh, to, to some degree, I mean, unless again, unless you can create content that's so stellar that you're just you know destined to uh, succeed, whether it be writing or or audio or video or whatever, and that unless you're like put it in a sports analogy, unless you're one of those dudes that mm -hmm. you know from five years old, like you the first time you stepped on the ice rink or, or the soccer field, you were the best. Mm -hmm. And that's, that's the way it's always been. You know what I mean? Those are the people that end up going pro. They, that, literally their entire lives, they've always just been the best at uh, that sport. They dominated high school, they dominated college, they dominated everything and then they made it. So it's kind of like, unless you have that just crazy level of talent mm -hmm. uh, going, you know, going into it, um, you're gonna have to also become a proficient business person and a proficient marketer. And that means, uh, again, that means a lot of study and a lot of reflecting on and, and not just, and, and I say study, not just reading and like passively, you know, consuming information, but actively, you know, you have to be engaged while you study. So, you know, I, I highlight when I read and I make margin, marginalia, like make, I mean, I read digitally, so it's notes that I save in it, but, um, and that, that, that helps with, you know, actively absorbing information and turning it into something that you can use. Um, so in the beginning, there's really, you know, drill down into you want to get good at, I would say, I mean, again, this is, this could be a whole discussion in and of itself. Uh, Cause you know, if you go, okay, I want to get good at business or I want to get good at marketing, where do I start? I mean, I have recommendations on where to start uh, for education and so forth. Um, but you know, so there's that. And then there's focusing in on your production. So if we were to say you were a lot, some of your time to education, uh, a few hours a day maybe, and then you allot the rest of your time to your one thing. So yeah. whatever that is, um, and it doesn't have to be content. I mean, 
A content-based business is great if you can create content, as I was saying, that can stand out in the space and be unique and be special and be talked about. Uh, but if you if you can't do that or you don't want to do that, then you have to create a product or a service that is so unique or so special that it's talked about. So, um, you know, for example, this app, that's why it's not at that point yet. It's yeah. uh, But, you know, in a few months, um, definitely by the end of the year, the app is going to be uh, a special enough product that it's not going to be propped up just by my book sales or my article traffic. It's going to be something where people, you know, will talk about it in its own right and be like, this app is fucking awesome. This is, and here's why, you know what I mean? So, you know, somebody could come into that space without any of the following that I, you know, if I, if I came into the app space, no following, um, no content, no platform, nothing and built that app that also would eventually turn into something. Yeah. People people would talk about it. So again, that one thing though is that what is it? It can't just be like, oh, I'll just do a little bit of this and a little bit of that. And it, the idea that just doing something is enough because it's not. Um, and so that's in the beginning. And the beginning, fuck work-life balance. It's work. That's it. Like work is actually as much as you physically and mentally can. Push yourself to the point where maybe you feel like you're gonna have a mental breakdown and that's when <laughs> that's when you have to stop and maybe you know take a break um and some people never change in that way and i myself actually is something that i would say i'm in, maybe inclined to 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 be like that but it's yeah. not feasible i mean i have a family and i i don't want to uh be a so much of a workaholic in that sense. I mean, I, I don't, I'm not into like, usually when people try to use that label, like I've had people say that to me, like, oh, oh, you're just kind of a workaholic, right? But that's just because they're just mad. Like, you know what I mean? That's not them actually trying to have a real discussion. It's them trying to just, you know, justify dismiss me. Them. Yeah, yeah. To, to justify their own failures, yeah. right? Just dismiss me as that I have some sort of mental illness and that's why. And, oh yeah, sure, money, whatever, but, you know, blah, blah, blah. But, but no, um, you know, because that was very much the beginning phase was just work and cut out everything else essentially besides working out and spending some time with my wife. I didn't have a kid at the time. Now I do. And I have another one on the way. Um, and so really like no hanging out with friends. And, and I, I think that's something I'm particularly good at just being a hermit. So some people may not have been able to be as much of a hermit. Yeah. And I, I understand, but you have to push yourself very far outside of your comfort zone in terms of how much work you can do. And, um, and again, that, that's a whole discussion in unto itself yeah. of, you know, it's not just about putting in long hours, but it's also about really getting a lot done with that time. And that's something that I feel like I have done a good job with. Mm -hmm. And it's not just me. I have a team of people now and, you know, we've been accumulating people along the way. But if I look at my personal contribution, I feel like I've done a good job producing um, a disproportionately large amount of things given the time that I've put in, even though that time is at this point quite voluminous. Um, so, so that's the first phase is, you know, you have to really, that's the hardest phase. I mean, um, because, I mean, I guess if you think about it objectively, but then there's the subjective experience because for me, it didn't feel so hard because things were working. So that was yeah. exciting. And so, you know, it was, yeah, you put in the work, but you got results. It's similar to the gym. Yeah. I mean, dead, deadlifting is hard. Sure. No one's going to dispute that. But, uh, when you are, you know, progressing on it and you're seeing changes in your physique and then you look forward to, you know, something that you might otherwise never think that you would ever even do. Mm -hmm. Um, so, so, th so that's the first phase. And again, I mean, 
this, this could be a whole podcast unto itself, but so I would say the, the next big transition is learning to go from a worker to a delegator, to an executive, to right. someone that, to, to bring in people to work with you because you can only do so much yourself. And it also, uh, it's always nicer to have people to work with, even from a motivational perspective. Yeah. I would say I'm, uh, also for whatever reason, a pretty, um, I don't know. I don't. I don't generally have problems with motivation. Uh, I I generally have a. I'm, I'm a very goal oriented person, and so I know where I'm going. I know why I'm going there, and then it's just a matter of doing it. And then I get into a routine, establish habits, and just kind of stick to it, almost like a meal plan, but yeah. a, like a life plan. You know what yeah. I mean? And that's just my. That's my. That's how I approach. I mean, sure. When I was younger, I didn't have any direction yet in my life, and so I know, like, I, you know, my wife's from Germany, and I used to go to Europe and used to go around and have fun, and I never felt like I should be doing anything else. I would go spend three weeks in Paris and be like, "Yeah, this is great. Like, I don't give, I don't give a shit. You know what I mean? I don't feel bad. I don't feel like I should be producing anything or doing anything. I want. I feel like I want to go to, you know, Mamatra and, and uh, hang out. So I know what that's like. But then um, once though, I've decided, okay, this is. My, I'm, I've now changing my goal from just enjoying myself to like doing something. Yeah. My psychology completely changes, which is which maybe is something again that is maybe a strength of mine. But I do think anyone can kind of cultivate that. So, um, but you so you, so when in the beginning you're doing everything yourself, and then you have to uh, you know get people with you. And um, I found that to be helpful, especially now. It's been you know a number of years. And a lot of stuff has been done, and uh, it. I would say, you know, I may or may not be working as hard as I do now. If it were just me, I don't know. It's hard to say. You know what I mean, I know my personality, but I may also, I, you know, I have I have a son. Maybe I would be like, I mean, I spend time with them, but maybe I would be more inclined to just kind of work less and do things with him, or find hobbies or something or whatever, right? Um, but there's. There's, uh, I guess, there's quite a bit that could be said, and you know what I think maybe makes for good leadership or good, you know, being a good executive. But one of the key things is definitely um, being able to delegate work. So you have to be able to, you have to be willing to give people things and not be obsessively micromanaging everything yourself. Yeah. And um, you have to become good at managing other people and getting other people motivated and getting everyone on the right, you know, on the same path. And uh, so, you know. Again, I, I think there are that breaks down into more than just those two phases. Um, but I, I think broadly speaking, you know, those are just um, if if you don't if you don't ever make it out of doing it all myself, then it's only going to go so far, and you're going to end up stressed and overworked and uh, demotivated. Mm -hmm. No, I think it's I think the linking it to the gym was a really good example because you think of the guys who are the biggest. They're generally the guys who have been putting in the hardest work for the longest period of time. And unless you're a genetic elite or you've got a special skill in business, then you're going to have to do that as well. Um, and yeah. there's no really getting around it. And I think that's coming apparent with like Gary V talking about grind and all of these different things. So uh, it's really good to hear it from yourself because, and I've heard you talk about it on your own podcast, how you are a bit of a work workaholic for lack of a better term right now. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You enjoy working and it's something that you want to do. And yeah, I mean, people often will probably try and find 
like anything in life they try and find shortcuts they try and find secrets but there's no two ways about it you've got to put in a lot of work but yeah um, the good thing and is that's like one of those just ironic things that you know if you hear it could be a podcast like this and it could be some big ceo of some big company and you know maybe he's asked about what uh, what's his one bit of advice for people to, if they want to be successful like you and maybe he says something like you just got to find your passion, you know, something where people go, yeah, that's an accept, that's an acceptable answer. Yeah. That's, that's politically correct. You know what I mean? That's like right now, you know, yeah. So, um, but what he's not telling you is really, okay, how does this guy really live? Like you really want to know how this guy lives. He works 60 to 70 hours a week. He doesn't watch any TV. He wakes up at 5 a.m. every day. He's literally always thinking about work. Mm -hmm. Actually, actually always. No matter what he's doing, from the second he wakes up to the second he falls asleep, he's thinking about work. Um, you know what I mean? Like yeah. that, people don't really want to hear that. They just want to hear that uh, if, if, if you just kind of, you know, have this master key of some kind that that every, then everything just falls in place. Yeah. Like, no, you have to consciously be putting everything in place and keeping everything in place because if you don't, if you let up at all, like puzzle pieces start flying all over the place and that's just the reality. And, you know, something that um, I don't I don't remember where I picked this up. It, was, it might have been a hard thing about hard things. I don't remember. But somewhere along the way, somebody said that uh, if you want more tranquility, do less. And I totally agree with that where mm -hmm. like if you're going to get into something and you say, what's my goal? Like my goal – for Legion is $100 million a year in revenue. That's the, type, the size of company. Now, it's not just a, the reason why I tie it to finances is because I know what that means in terms of size of company. Yeah. It's, it's, it's harder to quantify if I say a number of people helped. And that's one of the big things that actually that makes Legion unique is that we don't just sell people stuff. Like we take a lot of time with people on the phone, over email, really helping them, answering all of their questions mm -hmm. uh, in addition to, to producing some pretty unique products. Um, so when I look at it in terms of like what's the big goal, what's the game? So I can say that, but you know, I need to also then go, am I willing, like that doesn't just come and it doesn't come like, I'm not just going to cruise 40 hours a week and, uh, you know, do whatever I feel like doing and have some fun yeah. and wake up one day with a hundred million dollar year company. Uh, it's going to be a pain in the fucking ass. Yeah. And uh, am I okay with that? You know what I mean? Am I, so I think that that's, uh, you know, I've, I've just had this discussion with people. So it just comes to mind where I've asked people like, really, how, how much do you value comfort and, uh, you know, calmness and ease? And if, if, if they say like very highly, then I recommend, you know, then do as little as you can. really, honestly, I mean, if that's, if that's the thing, I mean, I would urge people to not be like that and to, to, to look at things differently. But, you know, I've just known, I have friends and people I know that got into different careers that um, are actually very difficult and very competitive with a very rosy outlook on things. You know what I mean? I feel like mm -hmm. if they would have just looked at it going in, they either would have maybe made it been more successful by now or they may have would have decided, maybe they would have decided against it and they would have, if they would have really looked at themselves and say, am I willing to go through fucking hell to get there? And, you know, for extended periods of time and get up every day and do shit I don't want to do and push through it anyway and learn to, like, not even care about my feelings anymore and my emotions, you know what I mean? And be, yeah. and be able to turn that side of me off. Who cares what I want to do? This is what I need to do. Um, so, anyway, it's kind of just rambling. But No, that's it's, – it's really, really interesting only because I'm just starting my bodybuilding contest prep. 
and that sounded just like the dark stages in prep where you basically yep. you, you go through stuff you don't want to go through but if you don't commit to it you're not going to get that stage conditioning we have a lot of bodybuilders who listen to the podcast so a lot of them can probably relate just to what you're saying and it's business but you can relate it to so many different aspects in life and i don't want to keep you too much longer if uh, we've already been talking an hour it's been fantastic we haven't even been able to touch upon kind of your physique pro progressions and everything like that but i hope that everyone listening has got a lot of value away from that and also taken away that they need to go and check out check out muscle for life if they haven't go check out the website go check out your legion products because fantastic that there are there is someone in this space who has such a big following who is pushing kind of the right stuff um, for the lack of a kind of a better way of saying it, but it's it's good information, it's good products, and the fact that you're going out there and you're trying to be ambitious and do all of these things, I'm so grateful for it because we need people like yourself, Matthew, to do that. So thank you so much. Absolutely, well, I'm flattered. Thank you, I appreciate it. Awesome, and um, I'm going to put in all links to everything below in the description so you guys can check out that. And uh, thank you so much, Matthew, for coming on. And I kind of wish you all the best in future. Yeah, great. Thank you for having me. I appreciate it. Cheers for listening, guys. Take care.